Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and nonprofits and introduce you to the right people. And I am so ecstatic to have these two women back in the house with me. We spent a lot of time together pre, was it pre-pandemic? No, it was summer of 2020 because it was right after George Floyd. And thank you very much for my deep voice still. (laughs) We're just gonna we're just gonna admit it right now. We were laughing about it earlier, right? So we yeah. So we did a series, racism, small business, and the arts, and we loved our time together and in and helping people come to understand uh, what's at play there and what what the risk and the the need for change. And today's conversation is about a new show that's coming up at the Emerson Collaborative Theater. So let me properly introduce my two dear friends, Karen Loomis, marketing consultant, uh, Nomos Brands. Karen, welcome back to the studio. Yay, it's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. We get to see each other on social media, but it's always a little quick little, you know, hello, this and that. And right. Love you, miss you, bye. Yeah. And Camilla Ross, executive director for the Emerson, Emerson Theater Collaborative. Good morning. I'm glad to be back. She got her. She's got her radio voice on today. Oh yeah, you gotta have that. So she went. She on. went up a level to compliment my low <laughs> right. tone today. And Karen went real low, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I love it. And Camilla is uh, lives in Sedona, and that's where the Emerson Collaborative Theater is. Yeah, we have Emerson Theater Collaborative in the village of Oak Creek, which is really great. We've been there now for six years, and we still operate on the East Coast as well, Mystic, Connecticut. Still, so we're going to be. Uh, 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it's already been six years. Yeah. And if you haven't met, been up to the theater for a performance, uh, it is such a great experience. I brought Ivan up, uh, I think, around that time that we're all working together. And he, my 15-year-old at the time was, what, 13? Didn't know what he was up for. But we he couldn't stop talking <laughs> about the performance and the experience on the way home. It was one of those really rich cultural as well as, um, you know, entertainment experiences. So thank you for providing that. Can you talk a little bit about the theater and who it is that you like to highlight, why you do what you do. Let's have the background before we talk about this particular show. Emerson Theater Collaborative uh, has been around for like 15 years, and we really try to um, make an emphasis on people, underrepresented uh, communities of people and their stories. And so we, we look at, in a given season, we look at women. We pull shows about women for women. And Emerson actually is a all-woman founded company, which is, uh, which is awesome. Um, and so our season in- encompasses all of those works that are original in nature. Sometimes we'll do one that's not original, but for the most part, we try to do the original stuff, which is what Sell Me, I'm from North Korea, is all about. It's another original work written by Sora Bayek. And so that's what we do as a nutshell. We want to enlighten people about other cultures and other people's lives that they wouldn't normally encounter on an everyday basis. So... Yeah, that's what we do. And how did you, you've got quite the background and a varied past, which is super cool. You're a professor, you're military, and and have always had this artistic, um, theatrical part of you, or did, did you grow those wings later in life? No, that was a 12-year-old moment. <laughs> so yeah. I knew when I was 12 what I wanted to do. Um, and so it was always uh, somewhere in the performing arts realm. 
poetry, whatever that, you know, all those artistic things that are really, really great. But I knew since I was the age of 12 what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so that was that. But I, you know, you, in life, if you don't dabble in other things, how do you know about other people and other worldly things? Right. So military was really great for me. It gave me a solid foundation in terms of discipline because I knew I needed that. And so, you know, you do that. And teaching, what a great experience. Um, I've taught in the prisons. I've taught. Um, I continue to teach. For, Counting, financial planning. I can't remember. Uh, it's uh, finance. So yeah. I have an MBA in finance, but I, I uh, have the privilege of teaching at Three Rivers Community College in Norwich, Connecticut. And I've been there since 2005. Yeah. But when I moved to Sedona, they allowed me to still teach, which I really, really enjoy. And this semester, I've got uh, finance class. And the next semester, I've got personal finance and finance and hopefully cost accounting. Right. So, yeah, I sort of kind of like both sides of the brain operating. You're so good at that. You are you are a model for me on how it's done so beautifully and gracefully. Yeah, and and honestly, right? I think yeah. that's one of the things like that the three job. of us love about each other is that we can just be really authentic. And we have a new professor in the house as well. We have an adjunct professor, Karen Loomis. How's that going? That's brand new. Well, the funny thing is, is somebody called me Karen the other day and I almost didn't answer because I'm so used to them calling me Professor Loomis, which I didn't answer to that for the first two <laughs> months either. So so it usually takes them several times to respond. But this, it's really been interesting because this semester, fall semester, so it's, I teach mostly juniors and seniors, but there's been a drastic difference between the students this year or this semester and the students at the beginning of the semester. And it's an impact of COVID. You're seeing, it's that evident. Yeah, the interpersonal relationship skills and just the, the you know, the independence and just the work ethics are really different between, you know, just depending on where that COVID hit them Mm -hmm. in their education Mm -hmm. cycle. Yeah. So it has been interesting. So I am enjoying this this semester because they're a lot less whiny. <laughs> and these are college kids. Right? These are junior yeah. and senior colleges. Huh, I love kids. It. Getting so, ready yeah. to get push them out into the real world. And yeah, just, yeah. So it's you know the real world is a little harsh. So I get a lot of, of wide open eyes, deer in headlights. Like oh my god, what is she telling us? And you're smiling and preparing them. I know yeah, you. They're, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. holding back. Tell us about Nomas Brands and how the two of you connected and what your role is with the theater. So yeah, so Camilla and I connected through a. E Women Network, which was a women's I don't organization. Know if I knew that. Yeah. But the interesting part is we didn't meet at a meeting. We met through people when Camilla was looking for somebody to help her with her marketing here in Sedona, somebody mm-hmm. that we mutually knew in the organization who's also from the East Coast said, Oh, well, you need to talk to Karen Loomis. And so that's kind of how we connected. Um, yeah, that was Annie Garland. Yeah. Yeah, who we've also had on our show. We we did talk about that because Annie was on with us. That's right. Shout out to Annie. Yeah, so we had, so so that's kind of how we met. And then I helped her for a Christmas show that she was doing and then kind of bounced back into her world again right around uh, COVID. Yeah, that was a Christmas Carol in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you've been and you've been really consistently working with each other. Yeah, and bringing that brand clarity and messaging and fantastic design work. Yeah, so really yeah. trying to elevate Camilla's brand. So, you know, like we talked about the fact that ETC is 15 years old, it's time, you know, it was time to take their branding to a next level so that one of the important things for a nonprofit, obviously, is grants and booties in the seat. So the brand impacts both sides. (laughs) Don't laugh like you've never said it that way before. I I think it's probably her language. I heard her voice with those words. So it might be (laughs) just like, okay, yeah, booties in the seat. Yeah, we need those. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, and so the interesting thing has been for us, because I started working with Camilla during COVID, Camilla has always had this logic in her brain that, you know, the show must go on. 
So, yes, we have COVID. Yes, Sedona is a lot of seniors. Yeah. But you know what? We can still make it happen. And so yeah. we did that and have added some other components, technological components to open up the shows to the world with our live streaming right. and audio broadcasting and on demand. So we've also got that as well. So if you're not in the local Sedona market, you always have those opportunities Ivan as well. and I have done both. We came up to the theater and participated with you in the audience. And then we also have watched another show or two, I think, actually as it was streaming. Yeah, that's Sedona UAS. Jason and his crew, it's really, really nice to have somebody that's local and, and really gets that live stream so to make us look great and also to, so we can do that. So this year is really going to be great because our Christmas show, which is The Great Gatsby, is going to be done via audio. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a live audio stream. That's exciting. Yeah. So it's really kind of cool. I'm really excited about that. A whole and different experience mm -hmm. for our, your audience. Absolutely. For Absolutely. The, well, if you think about it, seniors, you know, like when I've been talking to my mom, I was asking my mom about things that occurred in the 60s or 70s. And, you know, her comment was, well, we really only had radio. And so yeah. by, you know, this kind of brings it full circle for the seniors or which is yeah. now, which is now us. <laughs> Sad to say. But yeah. All of yourself. us. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure she's speaking to you and I as well. I'm well into my senior years. I keep trying. I keep hoping we're still in that middle age, but um, that's just a pipe dream at this right. point. <laughs> we can pretend. Yeah, we're young at heart. We're good. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the specific show that's coming up. I am. Is, is it called I Am From Home? It's called Sell Me I'm From North Korea, and it's written by Sora Bayek. And so it's a one-woman show inspired by the true stories of North Korean defectors, a profound portrait of people who risk everything to escape one of the world's most repressive regimes. Premiered in the 2019 International Human Rights Arts Festival in New York City. How did you two connect? Again, as usual, uh, it comes to my desk uh, based on who you know, so people. Um, so Camilla, had, you need to know about this show, kind of a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Meet, meet so-and-so. Yeah, meet so-and-so. I mean, I, I've, I've had the privilege over the years to do some um, wonderful productions that are original in nature, and this is just going to be an, another one of those beautiful moments that we get to share at Emerson Theatre Collaborative. I think, uh, you know, as a global perspective, learning about other cultures and what they go through brings us so much closer to one another. Yep. And recognizing that we're not so different, that we're not so disconnected, you know, around the globe, that we all share in these uh, these moments in life where someone's been oppressed or, and you know, globally, we as people know that it's a common everyday thing, and most people never hear about the true nature of what's actually happening yep. in other regions. So I'm I'm fortunate and I'm privileged to be able to produce this piece of work. Super excited. And it's interesting. We've had two guests recently uh, and a personal friend of mine who've had that very conversation. Uh, they are uh, very, very philanthropic people by nature, and they're traveling to other countries to help, you know, uh, teach and educate and build. Because of COVID, we haven't had the opportunity to travel in the way that we used to. And so what you're offering is an opportunity. You don't have to leave your living room or you could take a drive up to Sedona. Yeah. And still have real-world experiences and introductions and education to other parts of the world and understanding history and community and where we still need to improve. And great if you can travel, if you have the ability to do that. And there's no excuse 
not to put yourself in new environments to learn. And that's what that's what you guys do. Yeah. I mean, I like to bring another culture to, you know, to the region so that people can truly understand what other people live. Yep. If you if you're not traveling abroad, which I think everybody should do to be worldly. Mm-hmm. And even their children, take your children on a trip globally yeah. so they, they can see something other than where they live. Most people never leave the place in which they grew up. Right. So they're uninformed, you know, and they don't know about other cultures that other than their own. Mm-hmm. So why not educate them? And so what we try to do, uh, if you can't come to the theater, you can always be at home and you can see the live stream. You can do any number of things. Tell us the dates again for this particular performance. So this is uh, October 13th through the 15th. And so we have uh, a 2 p.m. on the 15th, and we have a 7 p.m. on Thursday and Friday. So 13, 14, 7 p.m. showing. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's all it's sponsored by AZ Humanities. I have Arizona Commission on the Arts, the Flynn Foundation, and the City of Sedona. So those are the people that are, you know, supporting this piece of work. So we're very grateful for our funders and donors, and um, it's going to be a really good experience. Additionally, just to add to what Camilla said with my deep voice again, <laughs> I don't know why it keeps coming I don't, I don't like know this. that anybody else besides the three of us would notice it slightly <laughs> deeper. <laughs> so you don't have to mention it again. <laughs> I, it just freaks me out. I know. Actually, it's also, you know what, listening, right? Because yeah. you haven't done yeah. this in a while, at least That's with true. us. So. That's true. <laughs> but the show will also be available on demand through the end of the month. So even oh. if those couple dates don't work for you, you you know, the on-demand doesn't work or going in watching in theater doesn't work, you can still watch it on demand over the rest of the month. So, um, you know, maybe put that in your calendar as well. Mm-hmm. We're um, So I'm looking at Camilla's phone because we're expecting another guest to join us remotely. And she says she's in the room. I'll hand this to you. I can't see. It's pretty small. For your middle-aged eyes. For my eyes. senior eyes. Um, so what we're hoping, of course, that Sora can join us. Um, and so we're working out some technical difficulties. We'll let Daryl handle that while we continue and to Darryl, chat. And Daryl, maybe if you can ask her just to text your phone number so yes, we can talk yes, to her. Yes, This is Daryl. Can can I get your phone number so we can, yeah, get you connected? Uh, all right. So, folks. <laughs> Daryl loves having three women tell him what to do. <laughs> He's gotten very used to it, and, and I'm also finally good about Daryl telling me what to do, too, so I've got it. Um, I want to go, if we could, let's back up a little bit. Karen kind of mentioned, and we've alluded to it when you talked about sponsors and donors, um, that the theater is a 501c3, that the Collaborative Theater is a 501c3. We are. We are a nonprofit organization, um, and so many people think that, you know, as nonprofits that we're not in need. We are greatly in need of support and funding for our, not only our seasonal work, but being able to hire people and to keep them employed and things of that sort. So we as an organization are always looking for funders that support work that's global, that brings an emphasis on the underrepresented, you know, members of the community, it's important that they understand the value of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Our ticket price does not even cover not minute anything. Mm-hmm. So it gets people. It gets those butts in seats. Yeah, <laughs> it gets people. It does, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. But it doesn't keep you know my doors open. It doesn't keep my my people employed. And so I want people to know that supporting arts in general, performing arts, is so important. Mm-hmm. Our kids need that. They need arts in their lives. It's not just about a computer. It's about people. I love that you said that because we touched a little bit on seniors and giving them an opportunity to experience arts and other cultures through what you're doing. And also, I know that you have this big love for kids. You do summer camps and all those things. And yeah, 
it's critical that at those early ages, we encourage the arts, right? I mean, so much of our focus in school is STEM-based, and, and that's right. fine. We, we try to push the STEAM, the A in STEAM is, is arts. Uh, and yet, you know, schools are cutting programs for obviously the physical activity in addition to the arts and those sorts of things. And then so, how important that is. I mean, our kids really need arts-related content. It's how we learn. It's how, yeah. right, we learn through story. We learn through images and, <clears throat> and vi- uh, visuals. And so uh, it's important that if the kids are not getting this consistently in school or in their own communities, that, that mom and dad are looking beyond their community. Where else can we go to learn and expand and, and have these introductions? Yeah, I mean, our kids are born with gifts. Some of them are scientific in nature. Some of them are artistic in nature. You have to realize that that child may be born with artistic you know, qualities. And so you want to enhance those. You want to support them. And you want to increase those on a daily basis for them so that they can function in the world. Mm-hmm. Not everybody functions in the scientific scientific realm. Yeah. They and function wh- artistically. Why did you choose? I don't know if it's appropriate to ask this. And you can tell me. Let's pick a different question. But why <laughs> did you choose to go the nonprofit route with the um, Emerson? Just curious. I think it's because it's consider most people don't consider the arts to be you know a, a profitable moment. It mm-hmm. really is a nonprofit organization, and all of us we're all volunteers. I feel so much better about being a mm. volunteer through the organization as opposed to receiving that salary. I can take that money and do so much more with it by hiring somebody else. You know that needs to be hired by being able to have the artistic reach that I'm having with the cultural uh, shows that I do, I would prefer to give back, you know, my time in, in that way. Always giving back. Yeah. And the more I give, the more I seem to always get. Um, that seems to be the law of how God works in, yes. in my world. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm really appreciative. And it just allows me to stay humble. Yeah. Karen, when you work with folks with branding and marketing, it, it isn't often nonprofits. It's usually large uh, corporate, corporations and industries. Yes, so how is this yes different? Yes and no. Yeah? So over since 2020, that was kind of a real pivotal year for me. I shifted to really put where I spend much more time doing things that are social change versus mm-hmm. being focused on corporate okay, um, profit because my skills can be used for good or they can be used for bad. And so I've decided that I want them to be used for good. And so that's why I kind of uh, give more of my time to, you know, Emerson Theater Collaborative as well as the Arts Academy of Sedona and other nonprofits. So I do really am, I shifted my focus to be more social change type work. Um, it's a perfect yeah, fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's something about getting to this age where you start to go like, hmm, I have a talent that I'm using to help other people make money, but I'm not making the world better. And so that was the yeah. shift. It's so fascinating. The more I get in alignment with my purpose and my passion, the more these conversations are similar. Again, I mentioned a couple of the conversations around people traveling abroad and, and giving back in, in, in a in a really big way universally. And they've said the same thing. I've worked hard all my life. I've made millions of dollars. And now I'm looking at myself in the mirror at the age that I am. And I'm saying, hmm, what else can I do? Where am I being called to serve? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You know, I think that's also one of the things that we don't really support in children. You know, we try to get them volunteering and doing other things and being, but there's other ways to do it. But I don't know if we push people towards that occupation enough. Hmm. Yeah, the service industry, it's, it's so necessary. I mean, yeah. I grew up with two nurses, you know, so for me, serving was the, the order of the day. Yep. And so my parents always in, instilled serving others before serving yourself. Mm-hmm. And they were great examples of that because they were both nurses. They, you know, 
did their time. Yeah. And so when they got ready to retire, and it's like, retire? My dad retired, <laughs> and then six years later, he was gone. So for me, he spent his life serving people, you know, as, as well did my mother. So service is, you know, is order yeah. of the day. I don't, I appreciate that explanation as to why it's a nonprofit. Uh, and of course, it speaks volumes about who you are. I don't know if I never knew that. Can you talk about this gorgeous uh, sweater jackets that you're wearing? You guys, I, I love this. The woman who created, this is the Got to Stop LLC Erica Lucille Ewing, she is a activist, but this is her fashion activism line, which I just think is outstanding, okay? Got to stop poverty, got to stop gentrification, got to stop gun violence, Prejudice, got to stop sex, racism, sex trafficking, yep. human sex trafficking. What an amazing concept. It's just fabulous, and she's extraordinary. That's where these are from, too? Yeah. Look so, what Camilla brought me. Woohoo! I've got my so own great. got to stop socks. Deet, 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 deet. I'm super excited. Yeah. yeah thank I you. think Ivan's going to steal those. He will. I, I just, when I saw them come out, I went, oh, those have Ivan written all over them. And Erica's in Sedona. Uh, we did a show oh, really? on Sunday called The Awesome Difficult Work of Love. Uh, it was an original piece uh, created alongside the Sedona International City of Peace for their Arts for Peace Week. Um, and so Erica came and we, um, her clothing line is that Just Us Girls in Sedona at Tulakapaki. Mm -hmm. That's where her clothing line is. And she, I just think she's extraordinary. Um, and so the awesome, difficult work of love. Uh, what a great the music title. Was created by the renowned Adrian Torf out of uh, San Francisco. She came and we had eight storytellers, which were people. And telling their stories, telling their life stories they're, about uh, they're, who they're, they are. Yeah, and their awesome, difficult story. Their awesome, difficult work of learning to love yourself, oh, no matter I literally what. said that to you when we gave a hug to each other in the green room because we haven't seen each other for so long. Yeah. And I said, I am finally at a place in my life that I know I love myself wholly and completely. Yeah, so yeah. it was a wonderful experience, and Adrian's just just beautiful. But our eight storytellers did an amazing job. Is that one available post production? They have recorded it, but uh, it is being compiled, and I don't know what the end result will yeah. be for you that. Keep me posted if you find out that it's available for purchase. I'm very curious. I, I so busy. I don't typically, you know, unless you guys reach out to me and say, "Hey, we need, we need a spot." <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not aware of what's going on. So I really am yeah. excited about that. Daryl, how are we doing? Is she joining us? Oh, yay! Oh, Hooray. Good. So, so there was a mix-up on which platform for her to land on. So um, oh, there she is in the green room. We're going to bring you in in just a second. So pleased that you <laughs> enjoy us, Sora. Yay! Thank yay. you for hanging in there yay. with us. <laughs> I am. We'll have to. We won't. Uh, we won't have our audience uh, sit with us as we figure out what the heck happened. But thank. <laughs> I'm Karen, by the way, the other Karen. Hi, Karen. So good to meet you. Likewise. So we're, we've done a lot of catching up. We've talked a little bit about what's going on in, in Camilla and Karen's world. We want to focus, if it's okay, on you and what you're up to. Uh, if you could in, please introduce yourself, and we've got plenty of time. And then tell us a little bit about this particular performance and, and uh, why it's so important and special. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Uh, you so can chuck good it, to be here. Chuck Thank it down. you so much for having us, uh, having me on. And so good to see you, uh, all of you. Um, I am very honored. So my name is Sora Beck. I'm the writer and performer and producer of a solo show called Sell Me. I am from North Korea, which is based on uh, true stories of North Korean women defectors. I started performing the show like right before the pandemic and the pandemic started 
I've recorded my show and I've been virtually performing at different colleges and different fringe festivals. I, as a matter of fact, I just finished Vancouver, Ukraine, which was uh, really sensational. I got to meet other artists a lot and talk about what is happening there or what was happening there. Uh, and I'm currently doing Philly uh, Fringe. And in October, I'm flying to Sedona, the beautiful place, and we'll be able to share my work at, um, at Emerson Theatre Collective. And I'm very, very honored uh, for the opportunity that uh, Kamla has been offered, and she's been so great the whole way. And I am really, really grateful. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> Talk about the story itself. So, uh, sell me. What does that mean? I'm making up some things in my mind, but what? Tell us about yes. the title. <laughs> you might be right about that. I probably am. Um, but let's let's make so sure. It's about a girl, a 15 year old girl. Uh, one day she she decides to herself uh, decide to sell herself to save money to buy her mother's medications, her dying mother's medication. And by selling, what she means is that because she's so innocent and young, her way of making money is I'm going to sell myself. I heard a story that I can sell myself to a rich Chinese guy across the river so that I can send my, send money to my mom so that she can save herself. How? So that's the whole promise of the story, and that's how her journey starts. And I don't know how much I want to share uh, what happens after that. Um, you decide. But I, I, what is it? I, you decide. You know, you can tell as much and, and, and save some for, of course, the performance. Uh, how common is that uh, of a situation that, that, a, that a child would make this decision to survive and to help family? So according to my research, because I my, I focus a lot on North Korean woman defectors, mm -hmm. uh, and they tend to be younger generations, because if you're over certain ages, you are not really, no one wants to buy it. So in my research, it, it was a lot more than what I wanted to see, what I want to, what I want to admit. Yeah. And why is this conversation and this story relevant right now? Because I've noticed that, first of all, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> Coming from a very hectic place of how do I get on? <laughs> I know, and you're doing a great job shifting. And, and I apologize because we've talked ourselves no, no out. <laughs> no worries, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad. That, and I want to make sure that we have a chance to, obviously, to share. So, and I'm not looking, so there, there's no that. right answer, right? Just speak from your heart. Yeah. Right. The question. Yeah. Why? <laughs> of course you are. Why is this? Why is this relevant now, right now? Why is this work important to you personally? In addition to for the viewers and the participants and the audience, why? Why? Why this story? I noticed that, especially I started uh, performing the show. I started performing the show. I noticed that when people think of North Korea, especially just general American audience members. People tend to go to automatically go to uh, nuclear weapons when they think of North Korea. Nuclear weapons, they're leaders, strange leaders, and also military parades. But I want people to know that there are people just like us in North Korea, and they need our help. We could have been them, and they could have been us looking at us in North Korea. And they need our help, and I want people to see themselves in the people in North Korea and have a will to help them. Camilla was saying something similar, Lori. 
a little bit broader, right, around the whole reason why she runs the collaborative the way that she does. And so this is just a perfect example of why you've brought, why you've brought Sora in to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, we as people, we, we tend to forget that it's not just about us. It isn't it, at all it's about, about us. <laughs> everybody else mm-hmm. but us. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. And if we can recognize that, what a different world we would be living in. What our children would experience, you know, yep. growing up in in different countries, different places. Well, here. And even here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's no, be real. That's, that's my point. <laughs> but that's my point. Yeah. We we seem to be so lost and not recognizing that it's not about you. It's about everybody else but you. Mm-hmm. That's the important part. Yeah. We seem to be forgetting. And if we can remember that, oh my gosh, what a different place America would be. And to Sora's point, when we can see somebody, we can see similarities through a story or even just meeting somebody, and we see ourselves in that and we can connect for the similarities, then that's the baseline for peace and getting along. It, it, for me, it's... It, always seems so simple. <laughs> it's almost ridiculous how easy it is. We just need to get out of our own way. Yeah. And and see that, you know, whether somebody's from a different part of the world, speaks a different language, if we always look for the commonalities and use that as the baseline, we're, we're good. I, mm. Yeah, I you know, really. And I know, of course, it's far more complicated than that. But in my simple little mind and, and my love for people and love for life, I think it, it really boils down to that. If we all made that commitment is what, what you're saying. Yeah, I think loving yourself is seeing yourself in somebody else where you didn't think that you existed. Mm-hmm. And I think once we can do that, we'll find a, m- a much more deeper and rich appreciation, not only for who we are, but for the person that we're, you know, haven't had that conversation with yet. You've, mm. you've given a couple of shout outs today. I'd like to do the same. We had a guest on here earlier this week named Bob Faby. Uh, Faby Insights is the name of his company. And he's a coach and he works with people on helping them have a stronger connection with dignity. And uh, both in corporations and mm-hmm. and individually, and one of the he kind of in the beginning of my interview with him, Bob said, you know, this is the definition of dignity and why I hang my hat on this as a topic. And then about ten minutes into the conversation, I went to paraphrase and I used the word respect. And he's like, I'm going to respectfully help you understand the difference between dignity and respect. He said, dignity is a basic human right. No one has to earn it, ask mm. for it, prove their worth. Dignity ought to be just this baseline that because you're human, you're, you know, you're, you're worthy. You're worthy. And then respect is earned and, or, or taken away. And, and I was like, wow, that is, was so eye-opening. Uh, so I, I hadn't thought about it when he was with us, but I'd love to make an introduction because I think we all speak the same language. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, when I hear that, the, the, the thing that connected with me is when people talk about the homeless population and, or, talk about addicts or talk about mental health, the blame always goes to the individual, not to all the factors that play into somebody, you Hmm. know, ending where they're at. And, And by that definition of dignity versus respect, society has stopped being, you know, looking at these people as dignified members of society. Yeah, you're spot on. Sora, let's go back to your show. What is your favorite part of performing this Um, Oh, there are several, but one of my favorite, favorite part is having an interview like this 
because this is where I make real connections with real people and have a real uh, starter conversation about North Korean defectors and also um, having Q&As at the end of my show. That's my favorite part. Like I love just seeing people and like what they want to ask and hearing their questions. And some of the questions that I keep hearing are, uh, are you from North Korea? Because <laughs> they uh, sometimes some people get confused that that they think that I I am actually telling my life story. Some people asked me, came up to me and asked me like, so how do you speak English so well? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, so it's and also those questions that came up uh, has been inspiring me and just you know helping me as an artist and just move forward and be fearsful. Sora, can you just give, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you just give a little sample of part of, of, a, the show? Part of a monologue? Yeah, that I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we, we would love it if you, can, if you can close your eyes and make that happen. Oma, Narpara, sell me. I say to my mom, I'm 15 years old and today's my birthday, but I'm tired of sitting here watching my mom suffer and going hungry together. I can't do that anymore. Sell me. I say it again. I'm going to go find a way. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. I've got chills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for indulging us in that. that yeah. Oh, thank you. Perfect. Yeah. I, I just landed there. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. The power of storytelling and, and, and making it um, a magical conversation. Have you met North Korean defectors? Yes. Uh, so when I performed uh, right before the pandemic, it was at uh, Jersey City Theater Center. I was eight months pregnant. <laughs> and this um, North Korean human rights activist drove up from Washington, D.C. with a North Korean defector and artist painter, Mr. Song Byuk. And when I found out that he was going to be there, I was really excited and at the same time nervous because I've never met anyone and also I'm, I'm, I'm sharing their stories from my point of view uh, but after the show I remember we we held our hands so tightly and just like stood there and I felt deeply connected with him and unfortunately he had to go uh, he had a flight to catch back home but he emailed me um, pretty soon and told me that he really appreciated the work and he was moved and that's why he didn't say much. But it was it was a really, really moving experience. Sora, is this the same gentleman that's going to have his art displayed? True. Yeah. So what's going to be really beautiful uh, about Salmi, I'm from North Korea, the Wednesday prior to the show opening, uh, we're going to um, thank our donors and um, our patrons for their contributions uh, to Emerson Theatre Collaborative. So in addition to that, we're going to have his artwork coming. We're going to stream his artwork oh, in wow. so that people can see yeah. his art and the beauty. There's so much to be uh, grateful and thankful for, and this is just one of those moments where we're going to be able to share in the different uh, artistic values that people bring to life's perspective from different regions of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I firmly believe that we should be sharing in all things cultural, uh, yeah. globally. Uh, and that's how we learn to love each other, is sharing in those moments that are not so different than our own. Right. 
And so to be able to have his work come in that way, and I'm so excited, you guys. I just, I can't tell you what this does for me, um, sharing the global perspective with other people who wouldn't normally have it. Right. You've done this kind of art piece where there's pieces um, that support a performance several times, right? This is kind of one of your one of your things. That yeah, you're known generally for. we call them the sight sounds and samplings okay. of an experience, but uh, we've decided to morph this into a thank you. Um, I hear that differently. Yeah, this time uh, be differently this time because we just we're so grateful for our grantors and our our sponsors and our patrons and our people who donate you know, year after year for the work that we're trying to accomplish. And uh, I can tell you that we as an organization could not do the work we do without our grantors, without our donators, donors and our patrons. We just, we could not do it. Right. And so to say thank you, we're just going to do that. And we feel so much more that's coming down the pike Hmm. because of it. So I'm really excited to be able to bring that into the space. And uh, Sora has been great uh, helping me to navigate those waters that I wouldn't normally have to navigate. Yeah. So it's really a, a nice collaboration. But I think the other thing is that people forget is as we're putting on these productions, as we are um, preparing whatever the marketing or you're, you know, setting up the productions, how much we learn about other cultures. Yeah. I mean, I don't want anybody to think that we're in any way experts. We are not. You know, when it comes to marketing materials, I'm very sensitive to different cultures and making sure that we don't misstep because it's super, super easy when it's not your culture to do something that really impacts them in a, in a less than positive way. Well, that's through your art, right? Mm-hmm. Art of branding and representation. And Asora mentioned that too, that, the, you know, <laughs> that humility around sharing somebody else's story and not being from that region of the world. I love that this, this particular gentleman gave you the acknowledgement that I'm sure you were looking for uh, by that hand squeeze and just, uh, you know, knowing that you've done, you've done well by telling the story. Uh, I would love for each of you and Sora in particular, if you'll start, what do you... I think we've talked about it a little bit, but what do you hope the, the audience will will take away, right? So whether it's the performance or the Q&A afterwards, when you were talking about the Q&A, I wondered yeah. if there's some sort of takeaway. Like if I was sitting there and watching the performance and then listening and asking questions afterwards, I'm always thinking through the lens of the what's next for me. Like am I, what, what am I supposed to do with this information now? Um, is there a piece to that? Or what is it for each of you that you really hope people will take away once they've participated in this story? Seeing like a great question, and I've been thinking about that a lot. And I'm when I look at myself and look at my work uh, as a performer, and I wanna my my goal is to my mission is to becoming the voice of women who are silenced. And I think we all have the power to either help or not help. It doesn't have to be significant. You don't have to go out and build a non-profit organization for North Korean vectors. I simply want people to think about it and have a conversation with whoever they want because I guarantee you, most of them do not know much about North Korea. So those people who watched my show, going home, talking to their family members or friends about the show, opening the place for them to talk about, oh, this is what I watched and this is how I think. What do you think? Having a conversation is a great place, great and beautiful place because anything can happen. Mm. And also you can simply Google Google and find an organization that that's already supporting North Korean defectors. You can donate financially or you, you can donate your time, volunteer. 
we'll take anything. I just want people to know that we have the power to change. Hmm. It's deep. Very deep. truth. Anything else to add? Uh, what you're, you're personally or professionally are wanting to have people take away or did Sora capture it all? I want people to sit and I want them to listen. Hmm. To try and hear what's being said. And then whatever they take from that, that they continue to think about that. And that usually happens with stuff that we do. People will continue to think about what they've seen and what they felt. I'm having a flashback to probably many conversations we've had when the two of you have been on with us before. And I I feel like I remember something similar that you've shared. When these stories are told and we feel uncomfortable (laughs) in what we're listening to or witnessing and hearing, that that's the invitation to listen deeper. And, and and let that be okay that this doesn't feel very good, perhaps. Am I, I, I making that up or have we had that no, conversation before? No, it's true before? because I, I say it often. I want people, when they sit in it, to become very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because if you're comfortable and you're listening to it and you feel comfortable, then I've got a problem. Okay? And you should have a problem too. Because at any given moment, this can happen to you. And I think sometimes American people think that they're exempt. You're not exempt. And and at any given moment, your life can change. Very uncomfortable. Welcome to COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I tell people, you know, COVID leveled the playing field for everybody, okay? Ain't nobody had no money. Ain't nobody had no job, okay? And they they thought their money was going to save them. No, it's not. You're not exempt. You're not immune. Welcome to COVID, okay? And so... I just think people really need to just let go, let loose, be open for change, because that's the only thing that's going to change the dynamic of the world in which we live in, where women are honored and children are sacred, and every life is sacred. So we need to start thinking about that, that Mm -hmm. every life is sacred and that no one is immune. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Karen? Add, add to that. I'm sure you've got something. So one of the beautiful things about being a college professor is I get a chance to speak to kids when they're just separating from their families' viewpoints. And they don't recognize it right now that they are still very entangled in whatever their their upbringing's perspective. So, you know, so one of the things that I encourage them to do is as college students, if somebody invites you to their home for the holidays or Thanksgiving or whatever, go. That's an opportunity yeah. to experience another culture, another way that families celebrate that may be different from your own. Because I think... We just all assume everybody lives a life very similar to us when sometimes the simplest things amaze you. I remember when I moved here from Spokane in 2000, the thing that amazed me the most about Phoenix was how long those yellow lights are. (laughs) Who knew that yellow lights were timed differently in different cities? It's a thing here. It's amazing. It's I mean, so that just that tiny little piece of, oh, Every city USA doesn't have the same one-second yellow light that you can have 10-second yellow lights in Phoenix, and you can just go, yellow, I can make it. <laughs> so I do try to encourage them to think differently, and um, and some of the conversations do make them uncomfortable because I challenge their beliefs. Like uh, uh, recently we had a conversation, I don't remember the topic, but I uh, you know, there's probably three or four people of color in a class of 25 kids. And when it comes down to being African-Americans, there's usually one. 
one of the, you know, three of the kids, you know, made comments about something and their comments were very similar. And then when the black kid made a comment, he said, and it was, I, it, the topic was bullying, what would you do? And he said he would walk away. And I said, I, I hear you and I feel you and I understand you because he's black and he's a man. And his experience is very different than mm. would be a white female or a white male at that same age. Mm -hmm. he, may, he may have learned in his experiences not to jump into things like that because it makes you become something of the instigator or the aggressor, even if you weren't. It's interesting you share that story. So uh, you've gotten to know Ivan so well over the years that he's been growing up and, and I'm putting, you know, stories about him on social media. <clears throat> he has a black friend and they were going to a camp for three days with Linda Bishop. I think you oh, know yeah, yeah. Linda. Yeah. Actually, it was a trip that I was taking the boys with me. Never mind. They did that too. And I was taking the boys to Carlsbad, California, just for a, a long weekend, the three of us. And Heather pulled me aside and said... You know, I don't know that I need to say this to you out loud. However, I want you to know that um, he's going to be hyper vigilant when he's not standing right next to you. If the boys, you know, walk up the beach and they go to the boardwalk or they do this, I've taught him to be aware of his surroundings and to behave with, you know, utmost respect and character. And and if Ivan's goofing off, they're likely not going to look at Ivan as if Ivan's the one who screwed up. They're going to look to my son. And you're nodding mm -hmm. your head yes. And I hope Heather wouldn't mind me sharing that. But as a Caucasian woman, I, I and, and having spent time, again, learning and educating, being educated by the two of you and, and how different really our realities are, I was grateful that she helped me have that insight so I could show up as, as a guardian for him a little bit differently. So anyway, it just makes me think of that when you share that story. Yeah, and I think it's important that at that age, when they have the opportunity to expand their thinking and their perspective beyond their parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have at, you know, again, not to mention our age or anything, but at some point we all had that separation where we realized our parents aren't everything. They mm -hmm. don't know everything. They make mistakes. They're humans just like the rest of us. And so, you know, if I can have any influence on these kids at that earliest stage when they're just starting to spring the nest from the nest, encourage um, them. you know, encourage them to just question. Mm -hmm. I've always, you know, I've always told my son to question authority. I've always allowed him to just be who he is. And what's beautiful about my son is that he thinks for himself. Mm -hmm. He does not take my opinion as gospel. And he moves the mountain, if you will. He will question authority. He doesn't always think everybody's bad or everybody's good. He opens himself up to learning and to feeling. And he's not afraid of his emotions. And I so honor that in him. And I wonder where he got that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but Ivan's a little bit like that, too. Oh, for I mean, sure. he's going, he's much younger and he's on the early stages. I mean, and he's already challenging you like most teens would at this point. <laughs> yes. But he's learning a lot from you at the same time, as well as having a black friend will teach him a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know you know, I had him go to New York a couple summers ago and spent the summer at a Jewish camp, and we're Christian, and and that was just a, such a different reality for him. Not only East Coasters, but different faith and, and different beliefs and even different lifestyles and quality of living, far wealthier than we are. And it was so rich for him uh, that he's now, he's like, every summer, I think I'll go try to do, like he did this you know, week with Linda Bishop and around um, being an entrepreneur. Um, and then he did a church camp here locally. Those, you've 
kind of started the show with this, right? Give these these kids an opportunity and ourselves an opportunity to get to know life and the world yeah. and other people through travel. And, and we're rounding the show out with that conversation again. Yeah. Sora, as we're chatting, we're not intending to leave you out. Is there anything no. else? <laughs> uh, you could jump in there anytime. Yeah. Uh, anything else about your show, uh, your your work as an artist that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close out the show? And we've got several minutes. Yeah. So I have two things. One, because we've been talking about younger generations. And one of the reasons why I decided my character to be 15 was I wanted to connect with youth group, like younger generations, because they're, Karen, you're completely right. Uh, They're at that age. And I want them to have bigger perspectives and have experience and a broader understanding of what the world is about, what us means about it's not about you, 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 you. Uh, it's yes, you're 15, your ego is big. I get that. But once you pass that stage, I want you to know that it's all of us. It's not just you, it's not just your family, it's not just your community. You know, just like Kamala said, it's all of us. And that's why, one, I made my character so young so that they can connect and identify and see themselves in their character. And also that another reason the character starts with, you know, the reason she wants to sell herself is because of the relationship she has with her mom. Mm -hmm. So that's a very human, basic relationships that anyone can identify with. So especially for younger generations, you know, parent and kids, children relationships. So uh, those are the two reasons why I made my character 15 and start uh, the com- start the show actually with based on uh, start the show with a conversation with her mom. But another thing that I wanted to mention before we close, but I I don't want to close because this is like <laughs> so inspiring and I'm so grateful is that so I didn't actually think about this when I was writing. But once I started performing, I realized that I have a lot more connections to North Korea than I did. Yes, of course, I grew up in South Korea, but like being in South Korea, even though we're very close, we don't really hear things about North Korea unless, except the things that your government wants you to hear, and which is not really helpful. But I remember that growing up, I was... I was in a small town. I lived in a small town where I could actually see some of the buildings in the North Korea cross the river. So like thinking back, North Korea was my backyard. I just didn't realize that. And second, my father, when he was four, he fled to South Korea with my grandparents, his parents, when the war started, uh, thinking that they were going to be able to go back home in North Korea, go back home to North Korea. So they left everything and they just fled. They just ran away, but there was never going back. So I, my show is for my father, my grandparents, and all the people that who can't not go home. Yeah. <laughs> Sora, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> just, I, I, if you find me emotional in, in this moment, it's because there's so much that we need to learn about other people and other people's stories. And I just feel like everybody's story is important. And what Sora just said, uh, it just resonates so deeply for me. 
It's um, the sacrifices that yeah. that we make for family and for life, right? Not only yeah. the story and the character you've created and what she's doing her for mom, but what you've just shared with your own life. And and this is your give back and your gift to them, given the sacrifices that that they made. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just powerful. Incredible. I, I'm so glad you were able to connect with us. It would, it would have been a great shame to just to just spend time with these two. <laughs> just kidding. I love it. I, I really, really miss both these ladies. Uh, Sora, before we, before we go, I'm looking at your bio, and I don't typically read them, but I feel like it's necessary because we really didn't have a chance to, to highlight the incredible work that you've done. Uh, so uh, Sora is an award-winning actor, writer, and producer from South Korea. She has been featured on News 12... Never mind. New Jersey. Thank you. I literally got stuck on the N and the J and couldn't find words for it. Wow. Whatever. I'm an actor, so I memorize things. So I I, memorize my bio. Listen, I wanted to be an actress when I was little, right? The 12-year-old moment. I always... Wow, it's been a long week. Um, I wanted to be an actress, and I can't memorize anything to save my life. And so unless it was improv... I would never get, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I can't memorize phone numbers, people's names, acronyms, letters, you name it. Alrighty then, back to Sora's bio. Phew. So uh, let's see. Gosh, these are all the performances, right? The Storm, A Christmas Carol, 400 Parts Per Million, A Sworn Virgin in New York City, an international tour, Blessed Unrest, Who Is Afraid of Virginia Woolf, uh, Curious Frog, Soar received the Best Actress at the Epidemic Film Festival in San Francisco. Congratulations to that. That's my hometown. I grew up in that area. Uh, Oh, beautiful. In Belmont. Yep, just a little suburb of uh, San Francisco. I lived in Fremont for 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. And she works with Only Make Believe, which is in New York, where she creates interactive theater with children in hospitals and care facilities. She's an associate member of the internationally acclaimed theater company, Blessed Unrest. And you can find out more about Sora at her website, which is Sora Bayek. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yeah. B-A, it's on the screen there. B-A-A, excuse me, B-A-E-K.com. Woo. We'll have that in the show notes for you as well. And then, uh, so I'm glad we got to squeeze that all in because you're obviously Thank an you. amazing, amazing woman. Karen, can you share where folks can stay in touch with you and learn more about Nomos Brands? Um, I have a website, www.nomossbrands.com. So you can go visit there or you can catch me on social media as well and, or in LinkedIn. And I'm a huge cheerleader for Karen as she is for me and more so Ivan. I think I'm just like secondary to Ivan because she adores him. Uh, <laughs> if you have not seen Karen Loomis's work and Nomos Brands, go check out the website really a fine graphic artist and uh, understander of all things branding and marketing. She's the best. Uh, I I just want to chime in there because I really appreciated the graphic that Karen created for my show. I was literally, when she sent me very first draft, I was completely drawn away. I blown away. I'm like, this is exactly what I, what I dreamt last night. So, and and she understood where I was coming from. She was very careful about my, uh, uh, my culture and my understanding of uh, um, the images and colors. Uh, So I really appreciate what you created and, 
just beautiful. Well, thank you. I appreciate you giving me all the information I needed to make it work. <laughs> but, that, but that's what we're talking yeah. about because we don't know about the other cultures, you know, and it's beautiful when we collaborate that we get that full understanding so that we're not inept in making those wrong decisions right. about other people's cultures. And that's called listening and that's called learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's called respect. Another full, yep. full uh, circle moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Karen, tell us where we can stay in touch with you professionally in addition to uh, Emerson Theater Collaborative. Well, Camilla, you can find us on uh, it's uh, org. That's our website. And like I said, all of my work is just greatly enhanced by Nomos Brands. Karen Loomis is our graphic designer, so she makes us look fabulous. And yep. I'll tell you what, she's done an extraordinary job for our company because our, our branding is just right up there and it's just on point, okay? Yeah. So if you need a good graphic designer... <laughs> Karen Loomis mm-hmm. and Nomas Brands. I'm here. Good, good, good. Thank you. Thank you again, all three of you, for being here. And I'm again, I'm, I apologize for the hiccup in getting you on the right platform. So I'm glad you landed. And thank you to Daryl, who's behind scenes here to make sure that happened. He's Thank you, Daryl. He's a champ. Thank yeah. you, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you've been uh, hanging out with us on Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Entrepreneurial Center at Max 6. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something like that. Somewhere. Some, somewhere over the rainbow. Right? It's been a Someday rainbow week. I wish upon a star. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I so wish I was there with you guys. Well, you are here with us. <laughs> and you're, you're getting the full Karen, Karen, Camilla experience. Oh, amazing. Join us next time, whenever that is. I don't know. Uh, some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business and the arts. We'll see you next time. <laughs>